There is an old Indian parable about a blind about blind men and an elephant. Um, these men had always been blind, and so they were taken into a room with an elephant, and they were all told to examine what was in front of them and describe to the people around them what it was they were looking at. Well, the first guy walked up, and he got to the trunk, and he felt the trunk, and he said, oh, it's like a great big snake. It's a snake-like animal. Well, the, the other guy sitting over by the ear, and he touches the ear, and he said, oh, this, this, this is a creature that's like a great big fan. It's, it's a great big fan. One guy touches the leg and says, oh, it's like a tree trunk. Another guy just touches his side and says, oh man, it's, it's like a wall. And, and then one guy touches his tail and says, no, this animal's like a rope. And they can't agree. And finally, one guy touches the tusk and says, it's kind of like a spear. I love this story because it teaches us the truth of life, of experience, of all the things that happen. We can all <coughs> experience the same thing and walk away with, with different thoughts. Walk away with, with a different outlook and, and how we see things. And in Scripture, it, it is, is no different. Different people have an experience and react in completely different ways. And Baptists traditionally have embraced this. One of the reasons why Baptists are Baptists, because we've traditionally embraced the fact that we can read the same Scriptures and the details we may look at differently. And that's okay, as long as we have the gospel message correct. And, and if done properly, that, that allows for a pretty rich faith experience. And this morning we are in the book of Luke. Um, and we're going to look at two people who had a similar experience and reacted in different ways. Um, the difference they're telling here because one person is a priest. The other is a young girl. One episode happens in a sanctuary. The other one happens in the daily space of life. We have, as we come to these stories, if we were reading them for the first time and we simply heard those details, a priest in the sanctuary and a girl at home, we would have our expectations versus our reality of what's going to happen. Today, we seek to find what we can learn from those who talk to angels. And there in the book of Luke, starting in verse 5, we find the text. It says, In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest of Abijah's division named Zechariah. His wife was from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Both were righteous in God's sight, living without blame according to all the commands and requirements of the Lord. But they had no children, because Elizabeth could not conceive. And both of them were well along in years. When his division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, it happened that he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. At the hour of incense, the whole assembly of the people was praying outside. An angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and overcome with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will name him John. There will be joy and delight for you, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and will never... Drink wine or beer. 
He will be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb. He will turn many of the sons of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the disobedient to the understanding of the righteous to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. How can I know this? Zechariah asked the angel. For I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. The angel answered him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. Now listen, you will become silent and unable to speak until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah, amazed that he stayed so long in the sanctuary. And when he did come out, he could not speak to them. Then they realized he had seen a vision of the sanctuary. He kept making signs to them and remained speechless. When the days of his ministry were completed, he went back home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and kept herself in seclusion for five months. She said, the Lord has done this for me. He has looked with favor in these days to take away my disgrace among the people. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Rejoice, favored woman! The Lord is with you! But she was deeply troubled by the statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Then the angel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary asked the angel, How can this be, since I have not been intimate with a man? The angel replied to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who was called childless. For nothing will be impossible to God. I am the Lord's slave, said Mary. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel left her. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and we praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask right now that you would take this time and use it for your glory. Father, use me as a vessel by the words that I speak be yours and yours alone. Father, we thank you, we praise you, we ask these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said. Amen. But these accounts happened back to back. Both people visited by the same angel, by Gabriel, the one who, who serves God, and who is right there and with the throne of God. Both are giving prophecy and a promise about promised children. Both are living in questionable or soon-to-be-questionable circumstances. I mean, yet with all the similarities, their reactions and their attitudes were completely different. Before we get to those reactions and consequences, I want to look at their situation. First thing we have to see when we look at their situation is that man's view may not be the same as God's view. Now what does this mean? Elizabeth didn't have any children. And that's a very important detail in the story. Because the description of Zechariah and Elizabeth is one that stands out because it says they were righteous in God's sight, living without blame according to all the commandments and requirements, but they had no children. 
They were righteous in God's sight, but not man's. You see, the belief in first century Judaism was the inability to have children many times was because of something that you had done. It was a sinful nature. God, for some reason, had closed up her womb. And so man's view of this situation was, well, Zechariah was a priest, but they were doing something that wasn't quite right, or they would have kids by now. It was a disgraceful thing, a shameful thing in that world not to have children. And you know, sometimes someone can be righteous, yet the world will still label them as sinful. You know, that but there, in man's sight, they, were, they had no children. The belief was that this was a punishment from God, that they had to be living with those whispers. Can you imagine the whispers that Elizabeth lived with for her entire life? Well, you know, it should have been her time. What's God doing? Why, why, why has she not been given the ability? What did they do? What did they like? The whispers that had to go on, the things that were happening, and the same was soon to come for Mary, right? An unmarried young girl who was pregnant and her only response can be, well, it's God's. How well would that go over in Lafayette, Texas? Well, it's God's. I mean, that's, that's what Mary had to deal with, right? Those whispers were going to happen. They were going to be there. People were going to be whispering about Mary. Mary's view may not be the same. Man's view is not the same as God's view. You may be doing exactly what God wants of you, but people are still talking. Right? You may be exactly where God wants you to be. You may be living righteously, but situations make people question the truth of that. You have to remember that the only opinion that really matters is God's. You know, we, we, we try and we're trained now in seminary and in undergrad a lot of times to take certain steps to make sure that there is no stain on your life and ministry. And it's, it's been in the news a lot, well, in theological news, I guess, a lot in the past few years because there are a lot of women in ministry who get offended if you won't meet with them privately in an office by yourself. They get offended. Well, why are you doing that? Well, I'm, I, I, I do that because I respect God and I respect my wife. That's why I do that. I, I make sure to, to keep from it. I, there was, back in Brownwood, there was a deacon who got all sorts of whispers started simply because a young lady had broken down on the side of a back row with a flat tire and he gave her a ride in the town and she wasn't the right young lady. People talk. Sometimes you could be doing exactly what it is that God wants you to do, and people are going to say what people are going to say. The opinion that matters is God's. You know, there, there's these two visits that go on here. Two, you know, Z was chosen by a lot. Zechariah was chosen by a lot. He went into burnt incense, and Gabriel appears. And Zechariah is afraid. Gabriel says, you're going to have a son. And he gives him instructions on how to raise him, and he prophesies about his work. And Zechariah says, how can I know? And Gabriel strikes him mute until the baby is to be born. And then, for Mary, Gabriel appears and says, Rejoice, favorite woman! And she's not afraid, but she's troubled. <laughs> what could this mean? What's going on here? The priest was afraid, but the girl was troubled. Gabriel tells her she's going to have the Son of God. 
She asks how, and Gabriel explains, and then he tells her that even Elizabeth is pregnant, and Mary says, let it be. There's two similar experiences, but very different reactions, because Zechariah asks for proof, while Mary asks for understanding. Zechariah asks for proof. How can I know this? I've been waiting a long time for a son. It's beyond time. Elizabeth is too old. How can I know these things are going to happen? I don't know about you, but I never had an angel really stand in front of me and talk to me. Gabriel, in all his splendor, is talking to Zechariah and telling him, this is what's going to happen. God has given you a son. And Zechariah's reaction is, how can I be sure? How, how can I know? And he doubted it. And his, he was questioning. He was uncertain. And you know what? I can understand in a way. I can understand how long have they prayed for a child. How long have they watched as all of their family and all their friends had their own families and they weren't getting that same blessing. And here it is. He thinks the time has passed. He thinks that this can't happen. And the angel says this and he asks for proof and it was met with discipline. Okay, since you didn't believe me, you can't talk until he gets here. You know how hard it is to keep a preacher quiet for nine months? <laughs> nine months. You're not going to be able to talk. You can't say anything until he gets it. In Mary's, we don't see that doubt. We see that confusion. Gabriel shows up and says, Mary, you're going to have a baby. <laughs> no, I ain't. <laughs> That's not possible, uh, uh, whoever you are. Strange man in my bedroom in the middle of the night. No, I don't think so. How? Well, you know, she had to be aware of the Roman mythology around her. Certainly as a young Jewish girl, she would be aware of Genesis chapter 6 where the sons of God lay with the daughters of men. But she didn't ask for proof that it was going to happen. She asked, how is it going to happen? She asked for understanding and she was given a proof. Even Elizabeth was pregnant. Zechariah asked for proof and he was given discipline. She asked for understanding and she was given a proof. It's amazing to me that these two reacted how they did, yet it's not so amazing when you look at the details. Because we see the details here, and what we realize when looking at Zechariah is even the most righteous people can be plagued by a crisis of faith. Even the most righteous people can be plagued by a crisis of faith. Think here about the Father who said, I do believe. Help me in my unbelief. There is no doubt about the righteousness of Zechariah and Elizabeth. The Bible clears that up. There is no doubt. They were righteous before God. Righteous in God's sight. They were devout followers of God. They did everything they were supposed to do. And in this moment, Zechariah had a crisis of faith. He knew he lived right. He knew he was doing everything he was supposed to do, yet he still wasn't getting the blessing that he wanted. He still didn't have a family. He still didn't have children. And here, the angel steps in and he says, you're going to get what you've been wanting. 
I, God has heard your prayers. That's what he said to him. God has heard your prayers. Evidently, Zechariah and Elizabeth still hadn't stopped praying for a baby. They were still praying, thinking this is getting impossible. She ain't going to have one. But they were still praying. And in this moment, when he hears that he's going to get what he's supposed to get, he goes, oh. You know, I don't think he's alone in that kind of situation. When you have a crisis of faith, it doesn't mean that you aren't righteous. It doesn't mean that you're a failure. Doesn't mean that your salvation is questionable because anyone can have a crisis of faith. Anyone can have that time of questioning. You don't have to doubt your relationship when you have a hard time believing. So, what does it mean? What it means is that waiting for an answer to prayer can cause doubt and even people with great faith. When you ask and ask and ask and don't get, you begin to think it's never going to happen. Part of the reason why the nation of Israel missed Jesus as the Messiah when he came was they've been asking for so long and haven't seen it. The couple had wanted children their entire lives. It was a blemish on this priest that he had no children. It was a shame for this woman not to be a mother. How many times have they cried out, yet the prayer went unanswered? A priest, a priest. <laughs> priest. This man got to walk that morning into a spot that none of us would be allowed to walk into. By lot, he was allowed to walk into the Holy of Holies. What that meant for Jewish people was God's toe was touching down in that spot. They believed his head was in heaven and his feet touched down right there where the ark was. He got to walk into the presence of God. This was a special task that nobody else could do, yet his prayer had gone unanswered. His prayer did not get what he wanted. Yet he remained married. It's a big thing. Jesus talks about that a few chapters later in Luke. And in Matthew when he talks about the real reason for divorce and all of those things. Because at that point, Zechariah could have said, you're not giving me a baby. He could have sent her away a long time ago. But he remained married. And he remained faithful. And he stuck with her. And here he was. So now, when they're older, the angel says it's going to happen. Have you ever been there? You've prayed and you've prayed and you've prayed and you've prayed for something, but it never happens. For years you pray, it never happens. It's easy to give up hope. It's easy to lose heart and to lose faith. Not in God, but that the request will ever be granted. I can't imagine being in their shoes. <laughs> and maybe I can't. The first year we were married, first year, we got pregnant. Okay, we didn't get pregnant. Carrie got pregnant. And we were excited. We told everybody. My mama, we, we lived in a one-bedroom apartment in the ghetto. You know, I could hear Elvis singing outside the window in the ghetto. I mean, we were in the ghetto. One bedroom. Mama bought all the stuff we needed for a nursery. We turned our dining room into the nursery. Everything was set up. And then people, then we got to fight on Christmas. So, because everybody wanted to say, just get over it. Just get over it. So we left. 
stood. We had given up. We had given up. We're not going to have kids. We weren't. Carrie wasn't 80, or 88, excuse me. But we had given up. We were done. God was going to let us adopt. We were going to find a way to adopt. We weren't going to have any kids. And then what happens? Boom. We have Shiloh. The promise of God. That's where that name comes from. The promise of God. That's what happens. I understand why he would go, are you sure? People got mad at me when we were pregnant. They would get so mad at me because Carrie was excited. And I let her be excited. But I couldn't be excited. I was cautiously optimistic. Why was I cautiously optimistic? Because I had been let down before. And I knew that if it happened again, I had to be there for her. So I couldn't get excited and throw myself into it. I understand what this couple was. I understand this crisis of faith. I understand why he answered the angel with doubt. But you know, sometimes doubt leads to discipline. How can I know? And the angel says, well, because you didn't believe me, you're not going to speak. The discipline had a point. It both granted the question he had, but it was a consequence to his lack of faith. How can I know? Well, this is how you're going to know. You can't talk for the next nine months, bud. It's when you can't talk, you'll know that what I told you was true. Now, that, that, that stinks. I'm sorry. But that's what happened. Sometimes God will discipline us for failing to trust I hate that word, but it fits. Sometimes discipline from God is simply consequences for not trusting Him. Sometimes we have consequences to not trusting God and what He tells us. And sometimes God will break us so He can truly, so he can truly bless us. We keep these around the house. You know what this is? It's a glow stick. We'll throw them in the bathtub sometimes for the kids, you know, make it glow and stuff. But right now, it's just a stick, right? But if I break it, you won't see it in here because it's too daylight. But if I break it, it glows. If I break it and take it in the dark, now I can see something. It has to be broken for it to be used. And sometimes God has to break us in order to bless us. We can't shine with the light Jesus wants us to shine with unless we let Him transform us first. Let's let Him change us first. Sometimes God simply needs to strip you down to a place of total reliance so that He can lead you into His greatest plan. And sometimes He uses our doubt to do that. Maybe that pain or that hardship, that trial isn't a punishment. Maybe God is breaking you to prepare you for something more, for something better. Imagine how John the Baptist was raised. <clears throat> by these two parents who had waited so long to have him. And so, when the angel said, he can't do this and he can't do that, I guarantee you, Mama, make sure that didn't happen. That was all Zechariah. What about Mary? You know, we look at Mary and we say that faith should lead us to bless others. Mary asks for understanding and she gets proof, but in her proof, something that amazing happens. If we read on, Mary visits Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth hears Mary's greeting, the baby inside her jumps. 
confirming something that was promised. As a man, I'll never know that. And we don't know, we don't know how active John the Baptist was in utero. But this was big, evidently. He was doing somersaults. He was doing something in there because he jumped, he flipped. And Elizabeth went, oh, that feeling inside. That one more time she was getting confirmation. She knew she was pregnant, obviously. But suddenly she knew, she knew this wasn't just any pregnancy. Suddenly she knew that the rest of the confirmation was happening. God used this young girl to confirm his promises to the priest. He used this young girl to confirm the promises to the priest. Why? When we trust God and react in faith, he can use our faith to bless those around us. For some, it might be an adult blessing an adult. For some, maybe a child lying the way. Age has little to do with it. Mary was a teenager, and Zechariah was ministering in the temple, yet God used Mary to confirm promises for Zechariah. This young girl was confirming these promises. This young girl was speaking truth into the life of a priest who had stood in the presence of a holy God. In my life, I came into contact a few years ago with a young man in Santo. Uh, he was a senior in high school, and I went to school with his mom. And uh, he filled the pulpit at his church one Sunday. And I saw the video. And uh, I reached out and suggested that he start a blog with thoughts and lessons. And he did. And the purpose of his blog was to activate, activate the sound of faith in the next generation. And I, while he had the blog up and running, I went and read that blog every week. And that young man had been feeding my soul every week. High school senior. Speaking truth into my life as a pastor. He, he steps out in faith. He prays from his heart. And this high schooler was impacting the life of a pastor who has been doing, been doing it for 20 years. And he was still impacting me. It doesn't matter what your age is. It doesn't matter where you're at. If God wants to use you to bless others and to do things and speak truth in others' lives, He'll use you no matter your age. It, it's not going to stop. Don't think you can't bless others. That you can't have any <laughs> If the Christmas story proves anything beyond God's gift, it's that God uses people of every age. Every age. When you look at the Christmas story, you have people in their 90s, you have people in their teens, and you have a baby. All the way. There are people there that God is using. Most of us haven't talked to angels. Many of us struggle at times even talking to God. As we looked at these two people this morning, we can learn one overarching rule about God when He deals with man. No matter how we react when God speaks in our lives, He will use us if that's His plan. No matter how we react. Maybe God is, is telling you to do something and you're going, I don't know about that, God. See, we tend to be more like Zechariah and Gideon, right? God says to do something and we go. Prove that to me. You know, with Gideon it was, let me lay this fleece out. Let's make it wet on the fleece and dry on the ground. Okay. 
Let's try one more time, God. And let's let's make it. How many times you got to ask? When God wants to use us, no matter how we react, if He's going to use us, He's going to use us. Zechariah had to be quiet for nine months. But Mary, she sings a song. That amazes me. Zechariah was told to hush because he doubted. And Mary was given a song because she trusted. God wants to use you. You're never too young and you're never too old. God has something for you to do. How are you going to react when He asks you to do it? Maybe this morning, God's been knocking on your heart saying, I need you to do this. And you've been going, well, God, I don't know about that. Now's the time to say, you know what? If you want me to do it, God, I'll do it. Maybe this morning you want to turn to missions or ministry. Maybe you want to join this church in membership. Maybe you want to pray. The altar's open. I'll pray with you. Maybe you've never known Jesus. Maybe you've heard the stories. And you've seen the movies. and You've watched all these things. and You've never made the, the decision to let Jesus be Lord of your life. No matter how old you are. It's the same way you here. It's through Jesus. That would be a great day. Just walk down to the trauma of Jesus and we'll go from there. But wherever you're at, whatever you need, give it to Him. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now. We thank you. We praise you for your blessings.